on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Cora has a new form of ads for B2B marketers. There's a big update with regards to Bing Webmaster Tools. A shiny new version is here. I enjoyed the design of the markup, but I took umbrage with the lax definition of Google properties. Greg shows us how to seal a leaky sales funnel with an as-seen-on-TV product that actually works. And Shep tried to flex some B2B influencer muscles by selling woodland creature outfits from Quacker Station. (laughs) And we tap into a running list of jokes, showering you all in good, clean fun. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. I'm Jess Budd. And I'm Greg Finn. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on July 31st, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. So how is everyone doing? Greg, I see your vacation has come to an end and you have a nice chalice behind you. (laughs) I do. I have a little chalice. I believe it is the best dad ever behind me. But I left half of my stuff on vacation. I have my headphones there and I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, it's going to come back on Monday, anything I left there. But I can't hear the audio quality, but you all have confirmed that it's A-OK. So I'm good. I'm back in action, back in the groove, and happy to be home. That's great. What about you, Jess? Um, I feel like we've all had homework assignments recently, and I'm trying to keep the streak going. I did my homework. Greg, we talked about boozy seltzers last week. I had a blue light seltzer in my time since the last episode. And I agree, it was quite good. I what, haven't what sampled as many. Grapefruit. Okay, that's really a good, good. That's the best flavor of anything. Yeah, it was really good. Very refreshing, didn't taste fake. I, I ship it. I don't know if I co-sign it, but I ship it. <laughs> I retweet that. All right, Shep, what's up with you? Well, I just wanna say, I like feel really bad about the way that I talk about my husband on this show sometimes, but absolutely no more. Like I felt really bad after the whole saga about the Phantom of the Opera, like I outed him or something, like he was scared of it when he was six. No. The way he talks about me on his calls with his coworkers is really, really mean. I'm the butt of every single joke. Today I heard him insinuate that because I watch murder shows, I'm going to murder him. Well, if you I keep, mean... he keeps talking about you. <laughs> he said to people, he was like, oh, something happens to me. You know where to check. Like, that is a terrible thing to say. And then he was on a call and he was like, oh, everyone has such a cool background. And I've just got this, you know, wall behind me. It's like, I work really hard to make this a nice house. And people like, my, like, you can move Wait. if you don't like that one wall. Is he talking about the hand-painted wall that you cried about? No, he wasn't in front okay. of that wall. But okay. if he just shifted 50 degrees, he could be right in front of the wall that I cried about every day for a week and like really show it off. Right. But he we- chooses not to. Then 
his boss was like, oh, doesn't Christine like to sleep in? How do, what do you, why do people know that? <laughs> Who doesn't like to sleep in, first of all? And he said, August 11th can't come soon enough because he's going back to the office and I won't be there. Wow. Wow. And I he's in the other room, that. right? He can hear all the stuff you're saying right now. <laughs> he's upstairs now and he's actually in a meeting. So hopefully uh, we don't hear him. The good news is he probably doesn't listen to the show. So you're safe. But <laughs> we need to get a picture, a picture of that wall. It is fantastic. And he mm-hmm. should absolutely reposition himself in front of this wall that you cried about for a week for every day, right? Yeah. It's fantastic from certain angles and then it's not. I, I can... I'll get all the angles so people can see. And if you want to see our smiling faces every week, don't forget to check us out on YouTube. We are on the Search Engine Journal YouTube. So search Search Engine Journal with no spaces. You can see our full episodes there. And we also make mini videos of all of our main news stories. So don't forget to check us out. And please leave us a review. We appreciate every bit of feedback, review, or good vibes you send our way. And first up in the news this week, Cora announced that they are launching native lead gen forms on mobile and desktop for advertisers to capture prospects on the platform. So there are currently 12 form fields to choose from, including contact information, employment information, and location information. It said in the um, press release they said about this that these could be pre-filled to minimize drop-off. So I don't know if that's based on your Cora profile information or if you need to start filling out lead gen forms to do that. So we'll have to see how that goes, but anything to mitigate drop-off is always good. And then to transfer these to your CRM, you're going to have to either download them as a CSV or set up a Zapier integration. So that's a bit of a bummer that it won't just go straight there, but hopefully people can make it work with Zapier. So I was really excited about this. Everyone loves lead gen forms, especially B2B people. And I just wanted to do a little market research because I don't have any Quora ads running for my clients right now. I just wanted to see like what the people are talking about on there. So of course I just Google searched like funny Quora inquiries um, in the name of business. And many of them were not safe for work, but I have a few to share. (laughs) My MacBook Air weighs 2.3 pounds. If I download more files on it, will it make it heavier? No. Regarding, no. <laughs> I really <like> <laughs> even I'm not laughing. <laughs> Regarding bathroom etiquette, why do men have to put the toilet seat, not necessarily the lid down for women? These are like the important questions that people need answers to, you know? Okay, this is my favorite. <laughs> I have questions. I'll go to Cure. It's okay. <laughs> go on. This is my favorite. During airplane turbulence, how do atheists keep calm? <laughs> You don't. It's like just everyday life. <laughs> and the worst part is I didn't get any of the answers to these. Like I couldn't find them on Cora. I only saw images. So let us know, listeners, if you have any insight. All right, next up, this week Bing announced the full release of the shiny new Bing Webmaster tools. And with it comes some new tools in your Webmaster tools. They have a robots that text tester, which will make sure your URLs are being allowed or disallowed as you intended. A site scan, which they describe as an on-demand site audit tool that crawls your site and checks for common technical SEO issues. So that's nice. And a URL inspection feature, which is still in beta, but I checked and I have it. So I think a lot of people probably do, if not everyone. 
it will check for potential indexing issues due to crawling or if you're not following webmaster guidelines. So on top of those new tools, they've also streamlined navigation, making it easier to find everything you're looking for. They've made improvements to some of the existing reports, and they also created a much smoother verification experience when you're adding new sites. So these are all good things. I have no complaints about that. And what I love to, in true Bing fashion, they closed out their announcement with an encouragement to users saying, you know, share feedback with us. We hope you like it. But if you don't hit us up on Twitter or reach out directly to customer support. And I just love that not only are they listening, but they're giving you multiple ways to get in touch with them and tell you or tell them what's wrong. And then finally, they closed this blog post with regards the Bing Webmaster Tools team. And I just think that that's really sweet that they kind of wrote it like a letter. I'm big on salutations, which I think is what you call that? Is that salutations? Is that right? Or is yeah, that but that's beginning? like a very formal one. What about cheers or... Yeah. You could go that route. I once tried to do cheers in an email and I typed it so wrong that Grammarly corrected it to cheetahs. Cheers? And it was to a client. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know how to spell cheers? It was like a number one hit show in the 80s. I know. I think I was just like typing crazy. I'm like, cheetahs? I don't think that that's right. But yeah, I mean, regards is formal, but it's nice. Like I've never signed a blog post. So before. speaking of this, I got an email within 24 hours ago from Bing that was not formal and I loved it. And it came from a person named Connor. I'm not going to give the full name. I'll blur it out and put it on YouTube. But it said this, hi, we want to make sure you're getting the most Bing for your buck exclamation. Isn't that I great? love it. That's great. <laughs> he did finish with regards, but I thought that was a cool opener. So maybe I would definitely keep reading. Is their thing like Chick-fil-A always says it's my pleasure. Maybe they just always say regards, but I think they could be a little more fun. Yeah. That's Chick-fil-A's thing? Bing it. Yeah, they never say you're welcome. They say my pleasure. I like that. Is that a it's rule? They're just there? nice there. I think so. Wow. But they never seem mad about it. They, I don't know where they find these people. They have like the nicest high school students you've ever met. I just went there Sunday and they didn't say that to me. I bet they did. You just didn't realize. <laughs> so next up, the markup had examined more than 15,000 recent popular queries on Google and found that Google devoted 41% of the first page search results on mobile devices to its own properties and what it calls direct answers, which, is, which are populated with information copied from other sources, sometimes without their knowledge or consent. Now, first off, I take a little bit of umbrage with the way that the markup put this together. Because at first they said, it returned a Google, like they had a, a query for myocardial infraction, whatever that means, doesn't sound good. But first up, they had Google dictionary definition, then a people also ask box, which I get it, you're going to another Google, Google search, a knowledge panel, which is an abridged encyclopedia entry with various links according to the markup, and related conditions. But the knowledge panel and related conditions, it's not necessarily their own content. They're sure they're scraping it from other websites, some of that content, and like the websites are allowing that, but it's not all Google information. So read this with a grain of salt. And then also, and you can look at it, we'll, we'll throw it on YouTube, but they compare the search results from 2000 to 2020. Obviously 20 years, there's a big difference, but also the screenshot they got from 2020 is a tablet screenshot. It isn't just a normal Google screenshot and you're comparing an old desktop version to a tablet version in 2020. So A, yes, some of the knowledge stuff 
can, you still can get traffic and it's from other sources. It's not technically a Google content. You're allowing Google to use it. And B, you're comparing tablet versus desktop, which is out of line in my opinion. But in the article they said, and they pulled this source from, I believe in an alphabet briefing, alphabet is parent company of Google, if you don't know. And they said, Google makes five times as much revenue through advertising on its own properties as it does selling ad space on third party websites. So you kind of get the rationale of to why this is the case. So one of my favorite things was the way that they presented a good portion of the data on the markup. And they were trying to showcase how much content was actually Google's compared to others. When you scroll down in the article and get to their example, if you keep scrolling, they show you how much content was without a traditional result. So you keep scrolling and the percentage keeps adding up. And it's something that was a really creative way to showcase that for the example on screen, you had to go through 36% of the page before you got to what they called the traditional result. And love him or hate him, Rand Fishkin had a good quote. He said, if Google can train you, don't go to genius.com. Don't go to TripAdvisor. Don't go to the restaurant's website. Just come to Google. Always come to Google. Then they win. And finally, there was another good example that include, was talking about translation and learning, I believe it was Spanish. Jess, are you learning Spanish right now? I'm trying, which I don't know how to say in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you to say I'm trying, but... So it's going well. Bueno. <laughs> so have you been looking? She keeps using it in Slack. Are you just Googling it every time or are these phrases that you already knew? Yeah, you're part of the problem. You just said, are you Googling it? What you should be using is Spanish D-I-C-T, SpanishDict.com, because Chris Cummings, the CEO of Curiosity Media, who owns that site, said that Google helped build the free internet, and now they're helping dismantle what they built. And he said that they're only getting 2% of the click-through, and there's no business to run here. We only exist because there are still some queries where they don't put their stuff at the top, he said. Google has affected our ability to invest in the future. Sorry, Chris. That's not a Google problem. That's a you problem. Maybe build an awesome Spanish dict app, right? Jess is looking for something. Maybe she could learn the word trying in Spanish. <laughs> but maybe run some ads, push an app, push some subscriptions. It doesn't mean that you can't invest in the future because Google is not sending you traffic. Don't put your eggs all in one basket. Oh, so it's not just my fault for saying Googling? It is your fault. I blame all, all of this problem is on you, Chef. I was, I was actually listening to the show like a couple weeks ago. And one of us said, we were talking about Bing and we said Googling. Wow. Like I we don't were remember Googling him. on Bing? Yeah. I thought it was funny. It was probably Greg because he's the only one using Bing. You know what I thought was funny <laughs> is, so it, is that you're like, I was actually listening to the show. Like you just don't listen at all. Well, I'm here. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I know. You listen pretty well. All the instructions about the games Jess is playing and everything like that. And when you make Chick-fil-A jokes that I should totally understand <laughs> and they just go over my head. Anyway, Boyo, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can see all this information over at the markup. It was a very well done piece, at least visually, again, even if you don't agree with all of the metrics. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions we don't influence. 
You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from Rishaba Rastogi at R-I-S-H-A-B-H underscore R-47. If you want to see this, you might as well just head over to marketingclock.com. But he says, you can spot an incompetent hashtag B2B marketer or team by analyzing how well slash closely they work with sales. If you're not working in close proximity of sales for whatever reason, it's a sure shot recipe for failure. They are your biggest asset. There's no gray area here. No gray area. Hashtag marketing. (laughs) So I like that take. And I only saw it because Mark responded to it. Mark, I guess, is just all over the B2B hashtag probably. Anything B2B, (laughs) anything hashtag marketing. Notifications. Yeah, it's it's notifications nonstop, right into his bloodstream. But he says, big agree, really the easiest litmus test. If you aren't focused on driving quality, all caps quality leads and helping sales convert them into customers, then you're just a lead scraper, not a marketer. Hashtag lead gen. So I appreciated that take and I appreciated the fire and the confidence that Rashaba had with that take. Yeah, I love this take, but close proximity doesn't have to mean, you know, like sitting across the room because we're all at home right now. Because that's what I first thought reading this. I was like, oh no, we're all in trouble. <laughs> I like how Nobody's it's like, yeah, let's get the dust right there. Let's try to get as close to six feet as we can to the sales department. Yeah, no, just, imagine? you know, keep them there. Keep them there as your resource. And now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is just something you might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. I See Why Am I, people, from Bryant Garvin on Twitter, at Bryant Garvin. He says, there are too many generalists that don't understand the details and too many specialists that don't get how their specific areas fit into the bigger picture. I feel like that needs to be on like one of those inspirational quote backgrounds and like on an inspiring Instagram page. It really makes you think. Yeah. And by specific area, you know, he doesn't mean like where you are in the office, right? Because we all know you need to be in close proximity. <laughs> you got to be nice to the BDRs. Everybody knows that. No, he means like how Mark's the, what did he call himself? The Mary Poppins of sales funnels. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. The only but, person that's ever called themselves that. <laughs> but I pulled out this quote to one of our new hires this week and it was saying, you need to have the, the basics of everything and then go from there and specialize in things. I love the quote that you get people that are just too niche. You're too niche or you just aren't good enough at anything. And there's a, a fine line that, that, you can straddle, I guess. <laughs> I see why am I. You can walk the fine line. <laughs> now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up, Mike Ayer at Airspace on Twitter found a fun Google ad test live in action in the search engine's results pages. So they've made the first headline in the ad on mobile, on iPhones, for some people, not me, really, really big. And the other headline will be smaller underneath. And I haven't seen any examples of this where they actually show a third headline. I've only seen it with two and just the first one is really big. 
So I think that's interesting to know. And if you're doing responsive ads, I think this kind of might change things for people if they weren't pinning things before, like maybe you want to start because it's huge. It makes me think of um, like when my grampy hands me his phone to like try to make something work on it and his font's really big. <laughs> have you seen that? <laughs> my favorite is when people have that goofy font that almost looks like Comic Sans, but it's sort of like half graffiti, half Comic Sans. Have you ever seen you that? You do that on your chiller? Phone? What'd you say, Jess? Chiller? The chiller font? Maybe. It sounds, that sounds like what the font is. I don't know if that's the actual <laughs> font itself, but I love when people change their font to that unlegible, like graffiti-ish font. I didn't know oh. you could do that. Well, probably on Greg's Google phone. You oh. can't do that on iPhone. But on iPhone, you. if you're- I have, only like, see it on iPhones. <laughs> if you have Shots like fired. hard eyesight, you can make your font bigger and I'm probably two steps away from it because I'm always, I watch the show back and I'm leaning in like this, reading our notes every week. So. You actually watch the show? <laughs> <laughs> you should get goggles, get prescription goggles, Shep. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to block COVID now. Um, no thanks. <laughs> okay, next up. People are seeing material information listed in Google shopping results. So it has the product listing and then it says cotton, or polyester, or whatever cheap material my ASOS clothes are made from that nobody can pronounce, it'll be right there in the search results. So this is run off the material attribute in Google product fees. So it's just something you might wanna pay attention to if you haven't in the past. Giving Google as much information in these attributes as possible is always a good idea because you never know what they're gonna test and feature. I was also thinking like they should have an attribute just for Quacker Factory, that brand I told you about on QVC, that instead of material, it could be like featured woodland creatures and say all the animals that are on the sweater. What do you guys think? Terrible, I like that. Yeah. No, I want one though that talks about whether they have the little mirrors or like rhinestones too. <laughs> yeah, like for Jess's screen tees, you know, they would all say like skull. Like, yeah, is it skull or skull and crossbones? You know? <laughs> I like that though, because you could see like cotton and you're like, Everybody knows cotton kills, and you can just be like, I don't want to click on that. I'm going polyester. Oh, cotton's bad now? What? Well, if you're if it's a life and death situation, you don't want to be wearing cotton. Cotton, cotton holds on to moisture. Yeah, it's not wicking. It's not wicking. It doesn't dry as fast, and that's why if you're going hiking, you shouldn't be wearing cotton. Or if you're just like me living your life. You don't wear cotton? That looks cotton. No, I have no idea what this is. It um, probably is worth 73 cents when it was made. I don't know. It definitely has like a really long name, but I, I was just like, you never know when I'm going to sweat. So I just don't wear cotton. It's just too much. Is that from Cracker Barrel? Or at least no? it, not when it's on your sleeve. It is not from Cracker Barrel, Quacker Factory. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was so far <laughs> off. I'm so sorry. This is from H&M. Quacker Factory is actually like quality clothes. They just happen to have like bunnies on them, but it'll be like $50 for a sweater. I would never spend more than 15. Better be several bunnies for that price. <laughs> and a new survey from Digiday reveals that 56% of media buyers surveyed said their clients pause their July ad spending on Facebook to join that stop hate for profit campaign. So the results of the boycott and their earnings are not officially in yet, even though all the articles that 
talk about this story kind of acted like they were. They're like 56% of advertisers turned off their ads. That's not necessarily what happened. It's like media buyers talking about their clients and they can't talk about all of them at once. So we'll see. Also, there was a global pandemic and that might be why people pause ads too. Just saying. And it's still July. Yeah. So we'll have to, we will report back when we hear more on that one. And finally here in paid, we have kind of another ICYMI here from David Herman. I did not know about this. So at Herman Digital on Twitter, he shared, did you know on TikTok, there is a setting that allows advertisers to use your videos for ads? And you can see in his settings, it says ad authorization, allow advertisers to feature your videos for ads on TikTok. And you can toggle it on and off. That seems crazy. What are they doing? Do we know how it is? Like when you just open it, does it automatically turn on? No, he didn't say. And I can't report because I actually deleted the TikTok app. Um, you did already? Good after for you. the experiment. Yeah, I, just, I don't want it. I don't need another addiction in my life. And wait, 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 wait. Did you come to the end of TikTok like you did? You consumed everything on Instagram. Did you consume everything on TikTok? Absolutely not. Because that's what I was going to say. It's terrible time because I didn't realize that um, the Swifties are all on TikTok now. And there's all these crazy theories about what all the songs are about on TikTok and people send them to me and I can still watch them, but I just don't watch them in the app. I like I mean, how you said the Swifties, like you are not a Swiftie. I can, I can say the Swifties and include myself. I'm absolutely one. I am too, and I'm not TikTok. on TikTok. Oh, you're a You're Swiftie not a Swiftie, Jess? I really, I enjoyed the new album a lot. The one Shep hated? I didn't and hate I think, it. I think you would like it too, Greg. It's very Lana Del Rey. I said oh, really? it's different. Yes. I love it. I listened to it three times a day. That was another complaint <laughs> from my coworker this week. Somebody was like, oh, how's it going over there? He's like, oh, well, I've listened to the Taylor Swift album twice already. <laughs> like, you never asked me to turn it off, bro. Also, get some <laughs> earbuds, dude. I love his accent. You're a really good accent, Shep. <laughs> love it. <laughs> dude, I've really been perfecting that one. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening in organic? All right, now on to organic. Over the past two months, podcast downloads are back. They're back to their pre-COVID levels. In June, Chartable tracked 825 million downloads, and that was up from 600 million in March. So advertisers are still advertising. I guess maybe all that Facebook budget is shooting over to podcasts. We haven't seen it. But maybe it's happening. <laughs> so that's good news. They said that people are finding other ways to consume podcasts. So I want to ask you guys, are you listening to more or less podcasts now here in July? Less. It varies week to, it's like totally just about my workload and like what I'm working on. If I'm doing stuff that I can like zone out and listen to a podcast, I'll do it. I would say generally less. Okay, because yeah. I started in the pandemic and I was way down. I was probably 40% of my podcast consumption and they've been slowly ramping it up as I do more and more and, and acclimate a little bit. I'm still not where I was, but I don't have as much of a commute. So I don't know. Just yeah, you, it went from said, like an hour and a half to 45 seconds. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, no, that was me too. Like I, my commute's only maybe a half hour at most, but that's where I listen to all my podcasts. Like I can't work and listen to words. I have to listen to music. Oh, so. I thought that's when you listen to metal. When I'm working. Oh, I yeah. thought it was in the car too. 
Oh, that too. Yeah. If I'm listening to podcasts, it's when I'm driving, but that's not the only thing I listen to when I'm driving. If I need to come down a hill and like have a really good time, I'm listening to metal podcasts. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> You're driving down a hill listening to metal? Absolutely. That sounds dangerous, Jess. My every day, I live at the bottom of two hills. So I got to come down two. <laughs> YouTube is rolling out a new metric in the channel analytics section that shows creators how much revenue they're earning relative to video views. So instead of CPM, this is called RPM. We talked about this before. It's revenue per milli, and milli is Latin for thousand. And so you may be thinking, what is the difference between CPM and RPM? Well, the answer is RPM sounds way cooler. And that's no, no, there's a difference. <laughs> so RPM, as Shep talked about maybe a week or two ago, it only takes monetized videos into account. But you can see that metric within your channel analytics, it is actually showing now. So check it out if you have a YouTube channel like Search Engine Journal and you're monetizing a video like this one right now. All right, next up, Google Webmasters put out a tweet that they are happy to announce that they are now supporting image license structured data in Search Console. They've got a fantastic article that breaks down everything that you need to know but if you have been allowing others to license your images, you're now going to be able to see how that displays in search, in Search Console. So the cool thing is um, it pulls everything in just like any other report. We talked about news coming in last week. Now you're going to be able to see it by licensed images, which is awesome. The one thing I loved is in the example they had, it was for a Google property, right? It was for webmasters.googleblog.com. I don't know if this is real, but I like the fact that they said, oh, you've got 24 million valid images here. And we're going to report on that. But you also have 4 million errors. <laughs> and that just made me like, <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that you didn't show that it was so easy. So anyway, if you are one of the saints out there that are allowing others to license your images, you're now going to be able to be rewarded with that by seeing it in Search Console. All right, next up from Top Rank Marketing, there is a new report out there that is the 2020 B2B Influencer Marketing Report. I thought this was very interesting because you don't typically think B2B and influencer in the same sentence but they found that 63% of marketers agree that marketing would have had better results if it included a B2B influencer marketing program. And that 60% of marketers who do not implement B2B influencer marketing programs, which we're not, we don't influence, we don't go out and try to influence people specifically, but they report that not having the right skills in house or knowledge to execute is why they don't do it. So I thought that that was a very telling fact. And the one nice thing, I would highly recommend that you go download this article, not only for the content itself, but because it's one of the most beautiful presentations that I've ever seen. And on YouTube, you can check it out as we go through. I think it was done in InDesign, but there's Ooh. visuals in there. It moves around. Even if you don't care, even if you're not gonna ever do B2B influencer marketing, the way that they did this is the future. And I'm just going to put it out there. They're an influencer for making this the way it is. Another thing, let me pop back to this other, this other slide Look here. Yeah. The, even, the, even the charts and the graphs come in well. But 84% of people thought that B2B marketers 
that use influencers can achieve brand awareness. Now it drops substantially after that. So if you're trying to get lead generation, it drops down to 69% and then 58% of if it's about reputation. So maybe the influencers aren't influencing as much as we thought, but head on over to marketingclock.com. You can go find the report in the show notes and it is worth it for the graphics alone. And I mean, we've got thousands of listeners a week, so I think we're technically influencers. Right? Is um, that right? I don't know how to build sure. a PowerPoint like that, though. Yeah, That's- I don't feel like one, but okay. <laughs> well, holler if you need some brand awareness out there, folks, because we got your back. I'll make you, you aware. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, mobile app usage is growing as users are now spending three hours per day in apps. And this comes from not Northern, not Eastern, not Western, but Matt Southern over at Search Engine Journal. And so this was a really interesting article talking about the fact that the top 30 apps aren't as powerful as they used to be, that they make up a smaller proportion than they used to make. Additionally, one of the most salient points in the article was that a quote that said, in the USA, a newly launched app, if it has potential, can typically find success are relatively early on, over 60% of apps are able to reach their category top 30 in the first six months. So, I mean, we're influencers, right? You just said it, Shep. You said you're an influencer in the Shep household. Oh, am I? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, no, how, nobody how here you... respects me. Well, we, you've got thousands of people listening to this. Oh, I thought you said in my household. Well, nobody, I, we know nobody respects you in your household. What about outside of your household? Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you want to talk about like fast fashion. <laughs> fast fashion. So, sure, uh, I'll be an influencer. What do you want to know? That shot's fired at, at, at your Quacker Barrel. No, Fine. it's the Quacker Factory, not fast barrel. fashion. It's the other crappy <laughs> stuff I buy from ASOS and H&M. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, next up, local services ads have been a success for Google in the home improvement, home advisor space. Now they're making it to professional services. So it initially is going to be available to lawyers, financial planners, real estate agents, tax preparers. And this is backed by that sort of Google guarantee that we've seen. And then also the Google screen. So if you want to be an LSA or local service ad and run those units, you need to either meet the minimum review score, which is three stars or higher and be Google guaranteed, or you need to be Google screened. And we talked about that last week with that $50 a month uh, fee on there. So it's opening up. If you're trying to, if you're a local provider, I mean, check it out. I like the headshots. It's a nice feature. Yeah. Did you know that though? Like that's one of the pre-qualifications when you go to realtor school, you have to go through and you have to like know about real estate and then you have to take a headshot and you have to put on your business card. And you have to look good on a magnet. Yes. The biggest realtor in my neighborhood that um, you guys know, I really don't like because he's like, I almost bought a house from him and then he like played dirty and then I didn't. He doesn't put his face anywhere, and I think he's hiding something. Oh, what, all when, the other realtors do. When mm. he puts his face somewhere, it is a face from 1985. <laughs> yeah. He's like me. 23. Meanwhile, he's been selling houses for 40 years. Yes. <laughs> something isn't adding up. <laughs> 
All right. Well, somebody that does have good graphics all the time is Roger Monty, a.k.a. Martini Buster, over at Search Engine Journal, and he is talking about the Web Story Tester. It now has a new tool if you want to see how your content aligns with being a web story. So Roger says, the Web Story Validator tool is available at the same location as the AMP Validation tool. Head on over to Marketing Clock to see that specific location. And finally here this week in Organic, verified Google My Business profile owners in the U.S. can now add a Black-owned business attribute to their listings. Oh, cool. Love this, fave this, and I even like the little icon around it too. It's like, yeah. generally don't like gradients. This one's nice. It's like that three-color gradient and it shows that you're a Black-owned business. So in case you don't remember, back in 2018, Google introduced family-led, veteran-led, and women-led attributes in my business. So now you can also see Black-owned businesses. That's it for Organic Bud. What's happening in social? All right. Well, guys, if you want to be an influencer like us, TikTok is launching what they're calling the TikTok Creator Fund to, quote, encourage those who dream of using their voices and creativity to spark inspirational careers. So this fund will start, I stress the word start, at $200 million for U.S. users alone. It will be available to creators that are of 18 years of age or older that meet other eligibility criteria as well. One of those is consistently posting original content that doesn't violate community guidelines. Sounds wholesome. So if you're interested, you'll be able to apply starting in August, which is like tomorrow. But as of the announcement update on the 29th of July, TikTok has still only said, we'll be sharing more information about the application process soon. So way to be desperate and then play hard to get. If they don't get people applying, then they might be in trouble because money talks and some of their creators might walk over to Instagram because they have reportedly started offering hundreds of thousands of dollars to popular TikTok creators just to get them to use reels instead. This though is according to the Wall Street Journal and their source is people familiar with the matter. So the Wall Street Journal, get lost, as Shep would say. (laughs) What do you say, Shep? No, I... Scram? Scram. Scram. <laughs> You're mixing up scram with get bent, which is what you say. Do I say oh. get bent? I don't think I say that. Uh, Someone I think says I it. I learned I've heard it from it. you. Yeah. No. I don't know if you've said it on the show. <laughs> now you have. All I didn't right. say that. Shep did. <laughs> but you said it after. You're like, I don't say it. Now you've both uttered the phrase. I like said it once in real life and then I covered my mouth because I realized like I can't just hear something from you and know that it's okay to say. What is that? <laughs> what is this trash everybody you know day, Shep? She's an influencer, oh, Greg. <laughs> it's true. You're just not the most censored guy, you know? I censor myself so well. It's like when you're like, oh, one week we were recording the show and you're like, oh, I, I don't have a ton of time for editing. Like, please try not to curse. And then you were like, oh, but I'm the only one who curses. Yes, curses sometimes. I do. I've, I've been better at it, especially on the show. I don't. Yeah, not on the show. I don't give you any reason to edit. We got to keep our, our rating. I just yeah. don't care about words that much. Yeah. Words. What do they mean? Okay. Um, that was supposed class. to be like magnets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least you got that one, Chep. You explain it to the audience. Oh, let's move on. All right. According to Microsoft, 
Ops Q4 2020 report, which I know y'all are reading. LinkedIn revenue is up 10% and sessions are also killing it with 27% growth throughout the period. There's an interesting nugget though in the Social Media Today article that covered this. They noted that LinkedIn reports its total members, but not necessarily the active users, which is what you tend to see with a lot of stats from other platforms. So LinkedIn says they have 690 million members, but guys just remember they're not all active, right? That includes people like me that haven't touched their profile in years. So, and everyone who has to do it for like business 101 in college and then never uses it. Exactly. I think I had my college like headshot or whatever up until like last year. I think I changed it when Cypress North did headshots and I put that in there. But other than that, haven't been in there. So whatever. The people that are active on the platform sessions are up. So that is nice for them. I can't believe people use LinkedIn. I just can't. We say 190 million. Like we have somebody that Jill loves LinkedIn, huge LinkedIn fan, but me, yeah, she loves LinkedIn. Business Twitter is where I it's at. I should connect. What, who, what, Shep? Business Twitter? You, you've turned on business Twitter. You know I'm trying to get better. You are really good. You give out good tidbits. You just had one this week about pinning the top headline because that's what's now going to be larger. That's great knowledge. How do yeah. people find you on business Twitter, Shep? Oh, you can find me at Shep Zernheld. You can follow me. I'll follow you back. I don't care about my ratio. You know, I'm really humble. Wow. wow, what an influencer. You're like, really? No, you're not an influencer anymore, Shep. I take that, that badge back. Influencers can't be humble? No, okay. no. Not if you're a TikTok influencer. I think that's a criteria. And you're a Swifty, so you're back on TikTok, yeah? Have you downloaded it since you just said that you didn't? That you No, it? I'm just watching them online. I just get my Taylor Swift news from you, and then I filter out what I don't need, which is most of it, but the new album's good. Okay. Next up, Facebook has created, this is fun, a bot social network to test for potential security vulnerabilities and issues. So literally bots that, quote, are trained to interact with each other using the same infrastructure as real users. So they can send messages to other bots, comment on bots' posts, or publish their own, and they can make friend requests to other bots. So I think that that's cute and maybe also scary, but you can be both, right? As we, we've all seen gremlins, you can be cute and scary. I, I like the idea behind this. I don't know how well bots are going to be mimicking humans, but I, I want to know what they're up to. I'd love to know if like if people are people, if bots are accepting these friend requests that they're getting, because they didn't know that. They just said they can make the requests. Well, I haven't seen gremlins, so. You haven't? No. It's the on the Roku channel, though. You should watch it. Greg, I know. I realize there's a lot of really great stuff on the Roku channel. There's this movie Fly Away Home about this girl who raises Canadian geese. Yes! Yes! Okay, so can we talk about that? Because I thought that that was the name, and then recently I had seen it somewhere, and it, they called it Flying Free, and I'm like, no, it's called Fly Away Home, and I thought it was having a Mandela effect. Greg is oh, yawning. No. It was a big thing in my house for a long time. Every time my husband was like, I don't care what we watch, I would start Fly Away Home. And if I get really mad. A baby. And Jeff Daniels, right? And I can't believe you've actually seen it. It's been like the biggest inside joke in my house for two months. Dude, I saw it in theaters. Okay. I keep playing the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. If it's terrible, it's Jess has probably seen it. But yes, I have seen Gremlins. And little known fact, I've been a part of a bot army before. What does that mean? Um, you are going to have to talk, listen to an old search engine journal show with Brent Satoris 
because he used to have his own bot army before for a social aggregation site called Dig. Wow, I'd love to learn more about that. Sounds scary. <laughs> okay, speaking of scary, <laughs> this week, Matt Navarro, that's at Matt Navarro on Twitter, spotted a new web link option for Instagram stories on accounts with under 10,000 followers, which I guess was not a thing before. And that's not scary, right? That seems nice. There's a lot of back and forth. You guys can read the thread. We'll have the link in the show notes. Instagram's PR team said it's been there for a while just to help people discover IGTV easily. But some people are seeing different options. They're not seeing a web link. They're seeing product links, whatever. But the scary part is that I went to look to see if I had this. I just, I protest the selfie camera being the default when you open an Instagram story. It's a terrible, terrible angle. I'm surprised every time and disgusted. It accentuates your flyaways, your double chins and boogers. I didn't have any. I took a screenshot. I double checked. But I wait, just, we don't need this to be the thing yeah, that we see. Rude. It's not an angle. <laughs> you are making the angle. Do you know what Holding I'm saying? The phone. But the selfie camera should not be the default for stories. Nobody's doing that. I could argue that you could see more inappropriate things if it wasn't the selfie version. At least you're well, looking at your face. What do you want it to be? Like the other camera pointing out? What do you want it to be? Yeah. You're opening the stories trying to take video. I want it to open my camera reel so I can pick cute pictures oh. that I've already taken. Oh. People, so that's not what you're supposed to do with stories. It's supposed to be like your live your life as it's happening. Okay, well, I'm not an influencer, so I don't, whatever, chef. <laughs> All right, next up is a story from BuzzFeed News called Hurting People at Scale, Facebook's Employees Reckon with the Social Network They've Built. And there's a lot here straight from the employees. It's worth reading just to know what's up with the platform that we all use and advertise on. It's important to have your finger on the pulse, as they say, but the TLDR, there's a chart in here that pretty much sums everything up as far as how Facebook employees are feeling these days, back in May, there was a very significant drop in two of Facebook Facebook's employees' satisfaction metrics, which are to what extent do you agree that Facebook is making the world a better place? And how confident are you that Facebook leadership is leading the company in the right direction? I both hope that's those, a zero. It, I mean, it might as well be because they both dropped from sev over 70 to below 50%, which is a really, really big dip. And it's if you look at the chart, it's like the bottom basement stuff. Who is actually thinking Facebook's making the world a better place? Well, I don't know if you're working there. But this is all employees, this data. So at least 50%. That's sad. Yeah. You want people to think their work is important. I know. There's a, you read the Wait. article. There's a lot of really depressing stuff in there. You bought Oculus. Your whole company is based around people not living in the real world how are you going to think that's making the real world better i don't know it's and then you don't sense. answer anything unless it's going against pedophiles yeah and there's been a lot of like internal reports they're like this is really inappropriate and they're flagging things and they're just not acting on it quickly or not acting on it at all there's a lot of internal dissent i'm just you know i'm happy to work at a place that i feel is making the world a better place we are we're here educating the people giving them the news I think this reminds great. me of um the story i told jess about how i told i was trying to explain content marketing to my tax attorney cousin <laughs> and he like acted like i was just not doing good things i was like dude like you don't know anything <laughs> why did you think you weren't doing anything good he just like kept asking questions like, oh, so, but are they okay with that? I'm like, if they don't want an email, they can unsubscribe at any time. Like, don't you get a lot of emails? He's like, yeah, I guess so. Like, whatever. This guy runs to church. 
What? Like jogs there. <laughs> jogs? Like he, he force gumps himself to church. Yeah. He's really fit. He's really fit. And he's just not sweating all over the pew or what? No, I think he is. He just doesn't care. It's just like he's oh. going to be really holy and he's going to exercise and make everyone feel like they're not adequate. I used to have a boss that would run like eight miles during the day. And I shared an office with one of the, the best people I've ever worked with, Jean. She helped me do get to everything where I am today. But we'd be like, oh, my goodness. I just said his name. I'll say it again. Jim is running again. <laughs> and we're like, oh, no, he's running. I hope he showers first. He made the company put a shower in the office so that he could shower after his runs. And then he would come in right past the shower into our office and sit down That's in the terrible. chair and sweating. And he'd have these full on 45 minute conversations with us. And we're in this little cramped room with not a ton of airflow. And we're just, it was awful. It was awful. That's really bad. Well, your cousin's was... doing that to church. Yeah, but <laughs> doing that to church. it's not a very crowded church. We, this is, you know, we live in a, we vacation in the beach town. We all have like summer houses there or my mom lives there all the time. So he's well, doing it. There. Da. He's not doing it in <laughs> our, you know, wherever he's from. Okay. In the well, that's, that's even worse then. It is worse. And Greg, I think your boss was just trying to jog everyone's memory about the agenda. Oh my God. <laughs> that really is terrible though. So he wouldn't even use the shower that he installed. He would eventually, but he'd cool down in our office. Did it have run down period in our office? Like that's where you're still sweating. And then there would be like we'd have to to wipe this guy's sweat down. And just it's just we need you to stop. It's a running joke how bad your puns are. (laughs) That's like a Larry David. That's I mean, really bad. I could shower you with more. Oh <laughs> my god! I'm getting out of here. Sorry, Don't this is going it. down the drain. All right, Jess, save it. <laughs> okay. In other Facebook news, messenger room chats can now be broadcast via Facebook Live, which is cool. If you've ever wondered what up to your 50 closest friends are talking about, nobody's going to. You didn't this. make the cut. Who yeah. Cares? Check it on a marketing clock if you want more. People <laughs> might care. It's a nice option for like panel discussions and events. Nobody is going to go to messenger room, a place where even the employees think they're ruining society and broadcast this live using a different app than your Facebook app. Nobody's going to do this. Nobody cares. Fair enough. Speaking of nobody cares, last story here. The NPE team from Facebook has another new app called Egg, spelled E dot gg it's an app for making collages basically i would tell you more but it's not even available yet even though they announced it so you can join me on the waitlist if you want to hear more but go to old andrew hutchinson at ad hutchinson on twitter said in the article it doesn't seem like this type of thing will gain any real momentum unlike greg's boss who's out for a run old shots fired (laughs) you called him the old andrew hutchinson good old good old you might be up for reporter of the year on this year's clock scares He's killing I, He's very funny. His stuff is very I know. entertaining. He covers everything. He covers it well. And he has got, always got a nice twist over there. Yeah, so if I you know. want to keep up on social news, we're basically just regurgitating everything <laughs> that Andrew's got over on socialmediatoday.com. Check it out. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. 
It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I have a hardly working this week, unfortunately. I usually, if I'm doing negative keyword lists in Google ads, I'll just like add things from the search terms report directly, or I will build it in Google sheets. But for some reason this week, something compelled me to try to do it in a Google doc. And I had like everything in there with the match type symbols and everything. And when I tried to paste it in to add it to an existing list, it thought all my quotation marks for phrase match were like trying to be special characters, like their exclamation points or something. And there's some kind of formatting issue that works with Google Sheets, but not Google Docs, and it won't paste them in. And since sharing this with our team, I've heard that it doesn't work in Slack either. So just do it in Google Sheets or don't do it anyway. What about you, Jess? I have a a Google Ads fail. Um, I had applied some experiments that I was really excited about the results for, but the experiments had ended, so they were technically paused. And when I applied that experiment, it made the change. I was um, adjusting the bidding strategy that I was using. So it applied that, but then it also applied the fact that it was paused and it paused my campaigns. And I couldn't find anything else that may have done that, but this has never happened to me before. I've paused or I've applied experiments that had ended before. So I'm not sure if it was just a fluke or if it's a new thing, but guys, just heads up. If you're applying experiments that have ended, just make sure that those campaigns turn on, turn them on if you, if they turned off. All right. And you guys have some negative Google ads hardly working, working hard. And I'm going to work hard with Google ads. We are just training, like I said, our new hire, Katie, who is fantastic. And we're comparing some date ranges. And usually I compare week to week when we're looking in Google ads themselves, right? So it's a certain day and I'll go Sunday to Saturday. And this time I went just seven days to seven days, basically. I didn't know that Google ads will match up in the view, in the charts and the graphs, the actual day. So you can say, I'm going to pick Friday to Wednesday and I'm going to pick Sunday to Saturday and it matches the days up exactly so that your view when looking at it in Google ads is aligned with each day. I just didn't know that. Did you guys know that? You mean like the chart? The chart, yeah. Yeah, I did not know that. So like you're comparing a Saturday to a Saturday instead of... Correct. Even if your time frame is different, it shows the Saturday to Saturday. That's nice. Really cool. Love that. Thank you, Google. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. Like, who does that? (laughs) Just get rid of it. I'm over it. (laughs) Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about a trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. The World Health Organization has a new spokesperson. It's a nice lady named Florence. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool, except... Um, spokesperson isn't really the, the right word because she's not a person at all. They are calling Florence a digital health worker, but she isn't convincing anyone she's real. She sounds, she's, you know, digital, whatever, but she sounds so fake. Like they're going out of her way to make her sound more robotic than Siri or anyone else. I guess they're trying to avoid that, um, Hi, I'm Florence, a digital yeah. health worker with the World <laughs> Health Organization. I'm here to help to back. Okay, so what's the thing they call it again? Um, The Polar Express when the people almost look real and it makes people uncomfortable. Tom Hanks. 
<laughs> no, you're thinking of Uncanny Valley. Is okay. what you're thinking of, where it's not I feel enough. Like, yeah, they're trying like really hard to not do that, I guess. But she just sounds terrible. And the guy who interviewed, who was interviewed in this article from the WHO says, the lack of human judgment actually makes our digital people more approachable and potentially more helpful. Echo uses quick as the world unites against COVID-19. Okay, so that was my favorite part. So this is like her little introductory clip and she's like, I'm trying to stop tobacco use as the world unites against COVID-19. And I can like make the connection in my brain about how both of these are the same problem, like tobacco users are at a higher risk. But it was just like, that sentence makes no sense. It was such a jump, like pick one thing that you're trying to end, at least in a sentence. And the last thing we need is information from fake people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's like they're, they're, it's fighting misinformation and we're always scared about deep fakes, but then this is just okay. I don't know. It is literally a deep fake of a human about COVID-19. It's so strange. And then that video, that, that clip that Greg was playing ends with this end screen of this like charming little girl. I don't know if it's supposed to be Florence as a child. <laughs> And it's like warning people against tobacco again. Like, again, we're back to tobacco, not COVID-19. And she's holding a hookah. <laughs> and no offense, like, you're a kid who doesn't really get COVID-19 smoking a lined-in hookah. Hookahs aren't the problem. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, isn't it like, hey, adults don't go around people? That's That was my understanding, but. Who am I? Maybe I'll listen to Florence and tell my kids not to smoke hookahs and well, I'll be fine. I don't know. I just... Strange. I want to know what Florence and the machine thinks about this because this is like Florence is the machine. That's probably how they came up with the name. Get out of here! All right. And now on to our segment segments. The grab bag. Shep, what's up first? First up, we have a good sheet for you. Alina Solis shared a guide to building your own SEO workbook in Google Sheets using Google Search Console data, and it's in the form of a slideshow, so it's super easy to follow along with, and it includes a lot of fun business memes throughout, so definitely check that out. Next up is SE Jokes, and there is a new tweet that I loved from Just SEO Things, at Just SEO Things on Twitter, and in case you don't know what it is, it's the flex tape, I believe is the name of it. And there is a notorious infomercial where there's water leaking out of a barrel, a clear barrel, and this guy just slaps tape on there and everything's handled. So they made a meme saying, any SEO questions from clients? And this guy's got the flex tape coming back. And his, his name is SEO expert. And he slaps that tape right on there with it depends. Phenomenal meme. <laughs> I've been Love seeing it. a lot of it depends content and I'm really loving it. Yeah. SEO is like making fun of themselves. It's great. The best thing too is when Greg tries to describe what's going on in memes. Like that's better than the meme itself. <laughs> yeah, it's way better. But I love it. And can I just give it to you a buck here? Shep, you love it when I talk like that, right? I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, keeping it 100. A buck, 100. Anyway, that flex tape is really good. You could actually do what this guy does on the infographic, infomercial. <laughs> Did you buy it from the commercial? <laughs> no, I bought it at Home Depot, but I use it all the time. It's amazing. Okay. 
You know what's another good as seen on TV product? The Scrub Daddy. World I disagree fun. with you. Uh, I think the Scrub Daddy stinks. You're using it wrong then. You know that it gets stiffer in cold water so you I can know. scrub with it. I don't want that. Excuse I want the me. magic eraser. It doesn't stink. It doesn't smell. And it cleans really well. That's wow. the slogan. Wow. It's also true. You can't use I, a magic Shep, eraser to do dishes. Shep, who, do I, who do I bill for that ad you just ran right there? <laughs> <laughs> She's an influencer in the sponge. I, I registered for Scrub Daddies and just got me some for my wedding. It was nice. Because they're the best. Wait. No way. The, you bought her Scrub Daddies <laughs> for your wedding. Yeah. That's not possible. It's you got to register for the QVC necessities. You know it started on QVC. I did not know that. Yep. Good product. Next wedding, I'll get you Quacker Factory. Oh, thank you. So, wait, wait. Is that all you bought her for your wedding? There's a she couple has, of scrub daddies. No, I got her something else. Yeah, she, I don't remember yeah. what it was. <laughs> I don't know what I got you, Chef, but I hope it was good. I hope it wasn't a scrub daddy. <laughs> this is awkward on all accounts. You don't really talk about gifts. But you both did perfectly <laughs> adequate and then some. Thank you very right. much. You're welcome. Okay. Next up, we have marketing of clockers in the news. It was a big week for Greg here. He was quoted in George Wynn's article on Search Engine Land about what marketers need to consider before selecting their next e-commerce platform and the pros and cons of Shopify in particular. And we all know how much Greg loves Shopify and his son's orange sneakers that he tells us about. So he oh, says, those are my daughter's orange sneakers. Oh, I thought they were your son's. Okay. Sorry. Your daughter's orange sneakers. He says where Shopify shines is in the extras. If you need a POS, Shopify has one. The shop smartphone app helps users buy faster and easier across domains with better tracking. So check out that article for more info on Shopify. All right. Next up is marketing and clockers in the news featuring Shep Zernheld, a.k.a. Christine Shepard Zernheld, according <laughs> to Ginny Marvin, the one and only clocksker winning Ginny Marvin. And Ginny had an article called, How Are Marketers Improving Remote Team Communication? And that business Twitter of Shep's really paid off because she linked on over, Ginny did, to Shep's quote about how we use Slack here internally. Shep basically said that we babysit people here. Oh, I didn't. That's first what of all. She Link said the says. opposite. No. So Ginny linked over to herself saying, I get the meetings, but it seems like it could be babysitting. No? And so that was the link that you got, Shep. No, I didn't say that. First of all, so we have an internal Slack channel where we say when we step away from our desk. In the tweet, I said five minutes. That's a bit of a stretch. It's probably like if you're away for 10 minutes or more. So you, people know to not call you because you're not going to be at your desk. Jess does it religiously. I really barely use it. I don't I'm either. I forgot to use it all the time today. <laughs> well, like we just thought you were at your desk. <laughs> It's not babysitting at all, and I was so embarrassed. And also, I'm not this person with two last names. I just don't want people to be confused why my handle is Shep Zernheld. And now, all of a sudden, I'm Christine Shepard Zernheld. It's all a mess. All right, next up is called the Growing Google Graveyard. And there's a tweet from Corey Doctorow, at Doctorow on Twitter. And he says, late last June, Google bought out North a tech company based in Waterloo, Ontario, which manufactured Focal's line of smart glasses. A month later, the company is turning off the servers, the glasses rely on, bricking every pair they sold. 
So if you had bought the North spec- Spectacle glasses there, they're now bricked. But the good thing is people are getting their money back. But you wonder what's going on. Google bricks a lot of stuff and kills off a ton of stuff. I don't understand why people will sell to Google if they actually care about their own product. Like I get it, you want the money. But if you actually care about your product, it's just weird to me. So whatever. And a couple more here. We have burn your trousers because Google announced that they are having their employees stay at home through July 2021 this week. I hope that their um, employees like their wives more than I am liked in my house. Wow. And finally, we have extra, extra spice served up just for you. You have to check out Mark from our team on Twitter at Mark underscore from underscore MKTG. He has weekly recap posts every week, and they're amazing. Last week, in response to me ruining just a show and tell game to try to demonstrate Spotify video podcasts where I just gave away my clues. You didn't even try. I didn't understand the game. He said, it's a good thing that Purple Jesus forgives because that was my show and tell. Can I say something? Thank you, Mark. Mark's recaps are usually good. I don't know. That vacation revitalized him because his takes this week were pure fire. They were really good. They always are. Best ever. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. So first of all, while that intro was playing, Greg like did the head nod like it was a really good song. (laughs) I mean, it is a good song, but really set us up here. All right. This week's cool tool is ads by domain from Foo Analytics. You just pop in a domain and the tool will show you all the ads on the page, which you can then click to expand and see things like the advertiser domain, what ad platform is serving it, bid and price details and more. There's also a really sweet color-coded tree graph that comes up. It shows all the calls that are happening, where cookies are set or passed, how ads are being served, and any ad tracking. It's wild and it's free. So to see it in action for yourself, just head on over to adsbydomain.fooanalytics.com. That's F-O-U analytics and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's marketing article of the week comes from Rand Fishkin. Love him or hate him, this article this week is phenomenal. So he has something over on the SparkToro blog called, Too Much Creative Marketing is Stifled by Attribution. And this is a fantastic point that everybody needs to realize. So he talks about the fact of there's so much out there that is just not trackable from an attribution standpoint. So Rand said, how do we combat unattributed marketing? And there's three ways he's got where he first says, we accept that much of marketing is non-attributable that the investments in detailed measurement often cost more than they're worth. And perhaps more saliently, that the harder a tactic channel is to measure, the less competitive and higher ROI that it typically is. And sorry, if you're watching a video, I've got a sun bolt coming right down my face. But that's a great point. And also, the second thing he says 
is that we need to intentionally dedicate real budget to serendipitous, hard to measure channels and tactics and justifying them using geographic or time series based applied attribution. Fine. I mean, that's pretty tough. And third, we have to get great at explaining this conundrum to the people determining where, how much, and whether we can make more creative investments. The example that Rand shows in the article is phenomenal. So he says, when your brand is mentioned on podcasts, like this very podcast you're listening to, is talked about during a webinar, promoted through sponsored placement, or amplified through an Instagram campaign, those things almost always happen at a specific time or in particular geography. That's a little hard to say that people, we know the geography that people are in right now, right? Where the listeners are, or where the podcasters are. I don't know. I feel like you could get like the country, right? Like, yeah. that's about it. I don't know how you can know that. But anyway, check it out. He goes through why some of the things that are not ever shown up in your attribution model may actually be driving things. And you all know that many times, whenever I'm talking about something and you look at direct traffic, you come up and I say, nobody's ever woken up in the morning and been like, I had a great dream about www.example.com and I decided to go there. And I used that today when I was training Katie. People don't just wake up and think of something. There's time that it takes to solve people and time that it takes to cultivate that relationship. And like we heard earlier with Top Rank and Leon that B2B influencers can work for brand awareness and they can generate leads, but it's not necessarily going to show up in your last touch analytics, or maybe not at all anywhere. And that's fine. And I think that that is valuable. Thank you, Rand. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. And while you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Welcome to this week's Shoot in the Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the hack. Today we're playing a game uh, that Greg really likes. Everyone else just thinks it's okay. And it's called Poke Holes in This, where we give ideas that we think are amazing and the other contestants try to poke holes in the idea before I seal it with flex tape and explain why it's the best idea ever. Okay, so Greg, why don't you go first? So I'm going to go first, and mine are both related, okay? Mm. I'm still trying to crack the code on COVID-19 here. And first off is you take a picture of yourself from your camera, a.k.a. selfie. Then it is transposed onto a mask that fits your exact face and features. And you make a mask with a printout of your face onto your mask. And so people know that it's you because I go to pick my kids up at their camp. They don't know who I am. I, people have sunglasses on and masks on I can't, and hats on. I have no idea who anybody is anymore. At least give me back some of your face. The face mask, face mask. Poke holes in that. Um, you lose the mystique and anonymity that we are only going to have this one time in our lives that's really fun. All right, cybercrime butt over there. I hope it's this one time. That's very (laughs) optimistic. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I just think that sounds absolutely terrifying, like those presidential candidate masks that always come out. Mm. 
it sounds really scary and I don't like it. And also like you would be making the same expression all the time. Can you imagine? Okay, Jess, what's your idea? Okay, so I wasted two hours of my life last night watching a comedy. No comedy should be two hours long. We need a just tell me what happens feature on Netflix so that when you reach a point in a film when you want to give up, but you're going to watch the whole thing anyway, just because you want to know how it ends. Like I could have saved myself an hour and 45 minutes, but I wanted to know what happened at the end of Eurovision, the story of Fire Saka. Oh, I've heard bad things. Yeah, don't watch it. But like, wouldn't that be a nice feature? You could use it for anything. I would appreciate it, but I think that the content creators would not let it happen. I mean, they want people to watch their whole movie. I don't think it would ever fly. And Netflix, like, I imagine that the more people watch, well, I don't know. I guess they're getting paid anyway. But I would think they would want people to watch longer. And Maybe not- I have to watch an ad and then you'll give me the answer or something. Like, we could monetize this. I, okay. couldn't, I couldn't be more against this idea if I tried, <laughs> Jess. Because it is on you to decide what you're going to watch. You made a decision. If you don't do research, you get what you asked for. Shep hasn't seen the movie and already has bad thoughts about it. Trailer looked hilarious. Yes, and it was Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell. Like, I expected good things. I think it's an okay idea. Really? Yeah, really. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) Okay, so my idea, have you guys ever heard of Written Kitten? No. No. (laughs) Okay, it's this revolutionary website that I use quite a bit um, in college where you like go to the website and there's a, a web thing and you type in it. And when you get to a certain number of words, it shows you a cat. I like the Aww. fact that you said it's a web thing from somebody <laughs> at uh, a web digital editor. company. That's what I meant to say. Okay. So you can type on the website. When you get to like, let's say 500 words, it shows you a cat as like a little reward for the hard work you're doing. I think we need a more adult version. I think it needs to integrate with Clockify. Adult isn't the right word. Business version, where when you get to a certain amount of time of like clocking something, like you're doing something straight, you're concentrating, it tells you to like go take a lap or walk up your stairs three times. Shep, I have to say in all my years, I've <laughs> never heard an idea this good. I personally love Asana. Asana will shoot like a rainbow narwhal up the screen when you get something. Yeah, that's yes. kind of like written kitten. We need a Grammarly for success. And you can see when a client gives you good feedback coming in and it's like, oh, I'm going to shower you with something and you get like... That's not what I said. <laughs> I'm, I'm making it even better. <laughs> Mine is about stretching your legs. But no, it's about yourself. It's about success. And it's about reward, right? Self-care. Yeah. I'm right. just glad you clarified not an adult version. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, that's a good idea. I just think it should be like, great job. Take a lap. Okay. That right, sounds go. bad, though. Take a lap? That sounds no, like drop and give me 20. I'm at the point in my life where taking a lap is a good thing. We could turn about the room. You know, in these COVID times around home all day, I saw a meme where it was like comparing it to that movie, The Duchess, where they would take a turn about the room. What, did you say English or was that <laughs> translated? What's your from... idea? What's your idea? Is it me next? Yeah. My idea is keeping it face mask here. My go-to whenever, because I'm an awkward person, right? So when I go somewhere and I see somebody and I might know I might not, or I'm just trying to be like, Hey, 
good to see you. I acknowledge you is like a little smile. Like that has been taken from me with mm-hmm. face I masks. Too. Yeah. I can't give my awkward smile anymore. So I'm thinking about electronic face masks where you can control like a frown or a smile or just a straight lip or maybe a surprise, just like a circle across your face on your face mask so that I see somebody and I can hit a little button in my pocket and just put a little smile on and then I'll smile, giving my awkward little smile at them. How do you clean them? That's your hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they start, they start to smell bad. Well, I think this is just a thing on the outside that you take yeah, off, Yeah, it's just right? on the outside, yeah. for sure. It's electric. How is it powered? Is it battery powered? Uh, solar. It, it's carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. And I feel like something needs to be of a certain size to like run on solar power, right? I don't know. I just I picture it malfunctioning or you're hitting the wrong button and you think that you're smiling at all these people and you're just like... I like, see you no. <laughs> I'm sticking my tongue out at you. And everyone, yeah. I don't know, because you can't see what it's doing. You know, at least when you're actually smiling, you know that your face is doing that. Jess, I, I feel like you would hack it and put like vampire teeth smile in or something. 100%, creepy. yeah, all the time. <laughs> I agree that this is a problem, but I just think an electronic smile is not the solution. It sounds creepy again. I don't like we it. We can just bring back the wave yeah. or, or the head nod. Like, so It's too Florence. Okay, Jess. <laughs> okay. Um, so you know how you're like eating chips and you can't yep. eat chips and type because <laughs> every, it's just too greasy, right? Like your hands are yeah. greasy and you can't type. We need like, this is a half-baked idea, but like a dry shampoo for chips. Yes. That's just like your chips are not greasy. They absorb <sighs> the oil. Why are all of your ideas so good this week? Because I've been no writing idea. them down. That would be amazing. Just a little spray. Or you know what else you need that for? You shake it in the bag or something. Oh, my gosh. I was at the pool with my cousins. It's COVID-19, but you can't stop kids from all eating out of the same Cheeto bag. And they were all, like, licking their hands and putting it back in. Something for that. That would be great. Yeah. I have, I have no idea what you two are talking about. Dry no shampoo. Idea. It's the powder to get the grease gone. I'm, I still – you said words <laughs> – don't know what that means <laughs> instead of cleaning you it like puts something else that makes it clean temporarily i think that's the opposite of what you need for COVID 19 i think you need the clean well but this is just for chips this is for yeah. the real world too or like so or you're not, dust. you can type and eat chips at the same time i love it no <laughs> no it's the worst idea i've ever heard i still don't understand that Okay. Well, you're going to love my idea. Okay. So it's just so heartbreaking. Like I was supposed to go to, um, Loverfest East this weekend to see Taylor Swift. Can you clarify for people that have no idea like myself, what Loverfest East is? Okay. So she announced with her lover album. Wait, wait, wait. let me guess. Quest love, Loverfest East. No, lover out. The the album was called lover. It was really good. It came out last year. What album? Quest Love's album? Okay, get it's Taylor Swift's album. <laughs> oh, the one where she talks about the alphabet? Yes. So she, instead of doing like a whole world tour, she just did four concerts. And people kind of got upset, but I got tickets. And I spent too much money on them. And then she had to postpone it. But now she's launched this new album. And it's like, what is she going to do for her next tour? Is she going to sing these songs at the Loverfest concert? Like, we just don't know or when it's going to be. Here's my point. Concerts are on hold. It's really sad. 
these performers want to perform and the fans want to go to the concert, but you can't make it tied to money because it's just a little too unfair and it would be just greedy and grab baggy for her to say million dollars a ticket. Who's going to buy? Because people would. I think they should tie ticket sales. You have a socially distant, you only have 10 people. Isn't that the minimum concert based on how many hours you've listened to the artists on Spotify? So the people who listen how is to the she, How is she going to make any money? Get this, to go to the concert and you can still so pay for dumb. the ticket. No, she doesn't care how much you listen to her. She cares okay. about the money. All of her songs are about money. Every song, everything she's ever done about money. It. You could also televise it and monetize it that way. No. You should do a Chainsmokers what? concert what? down in the Hamptons and just get everybody together. <laughs> Chainsmokers? Haven't you listened to Florence? Tobacco's bad. <laughs> oh, you're right. Okay. No, she doesn't care about people. She cares about money. Okay, that is complete blasphemy, and I think she would do it, and I think anyone would do it. <laughs> and I went last, so I won. I had the best idea. Yes. What are your thoughts on this? Are you with I mean, me? Or are you with Shep and Taylor? I, I think that based on the hours of listening to anything, the only show I'm getting into is a Slipknot show, and they do this really oh, cool gee. thing okay. with All a right. thing. And but Take there has to be here. a lot just, of people. Uh, nobody wants to hear about Corey Taylor. Take us out of here. Okay. Everybody wants to hear about him. He's got <laughs> new music. Marilyn Manson came out with new music to it. Everybody's hating on everything. And if you just did my Netflix idea, you would know whether or not you liked the album before you had to listen to well, it. Well, everybody's gonna hit the "Will I Like Your Slipknot" album, and it's gonna come up negative, Jess. So I'm going to the concert. You so I ship this idea. Absolutely, yes. Well, Slipknot is scary, and we'll see you next week.